I want to welcome you to Young Adults Today podcast, where we talk about reaching young adults in our world today. I'm going to toss it over to our hosts, Micah and Josiah Keneally. What's up, guys? Hope you're feeling alive right now. I'm Micah Keneally. I'm Josiah Keneally, and you're listening to the Young Adults Today podcast, where we talk about reaching the next generation in our world today. That's true. And like always, every single Monday, we have a new episode that drops. I think we're on episode 173 right now. Isn't Today? It? 173 right now with a new friend, an author. And if you're a listener and you want to learn more and you want to rate, subscribe, review, let us know um, how we can be doing better. Let us know what God has been doing in your life, what he's been speaking to you. And you can do that by reaching out to us at youngadults.today. And Josiah, without any further ado, I know that we have an incredible guest um, on the other side of this conversation who's going to be joining us, but who is that special guest? Welcome them to the show. It's a brand new friend, author, pastor, Robert Morgan. How are you today? Well, I'm very well, very happy to be with you and to hear your wonderful voices and, uh, and I'm, I'm just honored. Thank you. Thanks for saying yes to the invitation. We're fired up. And this episode, we're going to have a conversation about end times. Mm -hmm. We're going to talk about such a time as this. We're going to talk about the end of the world and um, some of the final events in world history. So if you've ever wondered, like, are we living in the end times? Mm -hmm. We're going to talk about that. And uh, if you've ever been confused (laughs) about the book of Revelation, I'll be honest, I have to. And so Pastor Robert uh, is going to take us to that place. And he has served as the teaching pastor for the Donaldson Fellowship in Nashville, Tennessee, where he served for over 40 years. No way. It's inspiring your leadership. And he's the best-selling gold illuminations and gold medallion winning writer, more than 35 different books in print, approximately 5 million copies in circulation, which is Radical. That's a lot of books, more than we have in our house for sure. And uh, he was also a homemaker and caregiver for his late wife of 43 mm. years, mm. Katrina, who passed away sadly in November 2019. They have three daughters, 16 grandchildren. And um, Pastor Robert, would you just maybe launch today's conversation by sharing some of your journey of life and leadership with us today? Well, certainly, yes. I was born uh, and raised in Tennessee. That's where I live now. So I'm a native Tennessean. And um, uh, Katrina and I met in college. We were married for 43 years. Mm -hmm. And she battled multiple sclerosis, uh, went to heaven. But we have three daughters. They live nearby. And I'm a Bible teacher. Uh, I can't do anything else. I don't do that very well. But that's the only thing I can do. And so I've been studying and teaching the Bible now for um, well, for a long time. That's amazing. And 16 grandchildren. What a blessing that has to be. (laughs) Yes. It's a little overwhelming, but yes, it is. (laughs) Thank you. Well, and, um, you know, we're going to dive into a conversation, but I just have to pause because this podcast is really for young adults in the next generation, Mm -hmm. young leaders, And I just thought it'd be important to ask you this question because you've been faithfully leading and ministering at the same church for over 40 years. And I'd be curious to glean from you some wisdom uh, about staying power. Yeah, well, that's a good question, Josiah. Uh, Staying power 
uh, steadiness mm. comes from our abiding in Christ on a daily basis. Uh, we have to have that relationship with him that is real. And the way that I put that into place, what I was mentored in, and my wife was too, was in a daily quiet time in the morning. And when I was 19 years old, this was when I was, um, you know, I had mentors who said, you've got to spend the best hour of the day with the Lord. Uh, just get up, get a cup of coffee, get, you know, a, a bowl of cereal if you need to. But, but, uh, but everything else will flow out of that. Mm-hmm. It's not our work for the Lord, but our walk with the Lord that is so important. And ministry is the overflow of those things. So if we uh, don't have a daily time when the Lord is speaking to us in the Bible and we're speaking to him in prayer, and there is that time, like Jesus said, when you close the door and talk to your father in secret, if there is nothing in private, sooner or later, there will be very little in public. So that's been, to me, the greatest. And, And my wife would tell you the same thing if she were here. That's been, I think, the secret to spiritual and ministerial longevity uh, and to just running with perseverance. I think that's amazing. We were just with some young adults and the statistics that they had found most recently, I believe, was John Bevere and other gentlemen were doing this study and they weren't even looking for this, the results that they had found. So they had found staggering numbers and everything. But the one thing that they really leaned into is when young adults would open their Bible four times a week four times Mm -hmm. a week, their ability to evangelize increased by 200%. When they were spending four, uh, four days with the Lord, opening up the word, all these staggering statistics, loneliness, depression, um, the addiction to pornography, all these things started decreasing Mm -hmm. in significant ways. And just like how you'd said, like, are you spending a daily devotion with the Lord and what part of the day works best for you? And I think that's so encouraging and it shouldn't stop with four, but that's when they started seeing these extreme changes of like, whoa, people's lives are being changed. I'm going to the supermarket willing to share my faith. There's a confidence inside of me knowing mm-hmm. who I am and whose I am when I spend time with God and understand how and why he created me for such a time as this. And it's just so fun to see young adults take that challenge. Like you did uh-huh. probably the 19, 20 year old and taking your faith seriously. And like, yep, I'm going to sit down with my cup of coffee, uh, a breakfast bowl, whatever smoothie, whatever I got going. And I'm just going to listen to the presence of the Lord. I'm going to sit in his presence and hear his voice. I want the words of the Bible to come alive and activate in my life, not through anybody else uh, alone. I didn't stop living vicariously. I think so many times we come across young adults that want to vicariously live through somebody else's successes, whether that's through social media, whether virtual that's somebody, reality. yeah, virtual reality, mm-hmm. somebody else's um, success, their platform, whatever that is. And we know that young adult ministry, and it sounds like you and your life was radically um, took a pivotal moment when you're 19, 20, spending more time with the Lord, sparking passions and speaking mm-hmm. and understanding more of who he is specifically to you. And I would just ask you this question boldly right now. Why do you believe that young adult ministry is so vital and important in this day and age? And what do you have to speak into that? Well, I love young adults and I have a lot of young adults uh, in my house almost all the time because of my grandkids. 
And I've got some grandkids who dearly love the Lord. Uh, and some years ago, we bought a pool and we find that that, uh, you know, we put a pool in behind the house and we find that that uh, sort of is a good magnet for young adults too. And sometimes I'll have them up here, teach the Bible to them. Uh, we'll cook out, you know, and, and uh, I, th I think, you know, I've always thought the sophomore year for college students, now not all young adults um, uh, take a college route, but the sophomore year is critical. Um, that's the most important year because a lot of them um, aren't ready for the freshman year. They mess up. Uh, it's, they, they have difficulties. They're trying to figure everything out. But they begin their second year saying, I've got to do better. Mm -hmm. And um, and that is when a lot of young people make decisions for Christ is during that sophomore year of college. Uh, and that would be about 19, um, you know, for a lot of people. So I think that is a critical age. And if you can get a foundation there and begin establishing habits, then not only do those habits grow as you go through life and become stronger and steadier, but they also serve as fences to keep a lot of predators, a lot of predatory habits out of your life and out of your experience. So um, I, I use a wide margin Bible and a mechanical pencil. Um, and I start reading where I left off the day before. I have a journal that I make a few notes in. Um, and, and so uh, I use a prayer list, you know, but I've been doing this now for over 50 years. And and I think it's a, pro, a, a, a habit uh, that grows sweeter and better yeah. uh, and deeper as you go along, just like a, a good relationship within a marriage. It's amazing and inspiring. Thank you for sharing about what it looks like for you with the mechanical pencil, you know, the wide margin Bible. I'm just picturing your journal, mm -hmm. too, and the times that you've had quiet time with God mm -hmm. for over 50 years each morning. And yeah. eschatology is kind of the subject, the study of the end times. And mm -hmm. sometimes for me, that's an overwhelming conversation. And yet this subject is actually a passion of yours. That's why we invited you on the show today. And I'd be curious if you could help demystify mm. the book of Revelation for Micah and I, for the listener, at kind of a high level overview today. Yeah, well, Revelation and biblical prophecy is critical for young adults because the world they're living in and the world we're all living in is unraveling very quickly. Mm -hmm. And people want to know what's going to happen, where, where are answers to this, whether it's violence, whether it's uh, pandemics, whether it's invasions. Um, we live in a world right now where one man sitting in Moscow could push a button and annihilate humanity. Another guy living in China could break a test tube and do the same thing through another means where crazy people, demonic people, in my opinion, uh, commit tremendous atrocities um, and where life is very uh, uncertain. Mm -hmm. um, people are worried about the future of the planet. If you Google the end of the world, you'll not find sermons from preachers. You will find monographs by scientists because they are concerned about uh, catastrophic events that could have uh, globally impacting ramifications. So, um, so I think it's a very important subject. And so the Bible addresses it. The Bible addresses every important subject. And about a third of the scripture is prophetic prophecy. 
Some of those have already been fulfilled, such as all of the prophecies related to the first coming of Christ, but many of them we see unfolding. So to get to your specific question about the book of Revelation, uh, Josiah, I would say, and, and Micah, I would say that it is a very simple book. We need to stop thinking of it uh, as uh, an obscure book. Uh, the outline to the book of Revelation is one of the clearest outlines in the Bible. I'll give it to you right now. So chapter one of Revelation is introduction. Chapters two and three are seven short messages that the Lord Jesus gave to the seven churches who were the original recipients mm -hmm. of this book because he wanted them to be as strong as possible. And so he did a little diagnostic evaluation of each one, which as we read, we can see ourselves in. And then the rest of the book from chapter four to 22 is all things that will occur in the future. Now, four through 18 describes the seven years of tribulation that will precede the return of Christ. Mm -hmm. And you have one event described after another. And these events are a series of judgments on earth that will rectify evil. And it all builds to a climax by the time you get to chapter 18. Then Jesus comes again in chapter 19. He sets up his kingdom in chapter 20, and he describes for us our eternal situation, our eternal home in chapters 21 and 22. So you have an introduction, seven messages in real time to these churches, and then you have the story of the tribulation leading to the return of Christ, the establishing of his kingdom, and the eternal state. And the events are just listed sequentially here, one after the other. And so that's the simplicity of this book of Revelation. You make that sound a lot easier than what we've probably made it in the past or heard it <laughs> in the past. So thank you for going there. And this is an off script question, but with that, how you just unfolded that and described that and getting up to chapters 18, 19, 20, you know, when Jesus is coming and everything, you know, towards the end of that, how can we encourage the young adult who may be so focused on Jesus coming that they're forgetting to live in the now, meaning that they're maybe not living, they're living for the Lord, but maybe not to the best of their ability. They're not doing Jesus's last words, go out and make disciples. Like how can we not be only laser focused on Jesus coming and focus on the bad things that are happening or the, the, the prophetic things that are happening, be mindful of that, but also live in the now. Like how do we bridge that gap in the world that we live while remaining Christ followers and kingdom minded. Does that make sense? Yes. And it's a very uh, good question. And there's a very simple answer. Um, it is logical when you find out what's going to happen tomorrow that you live differently today. Mm. I mean, the implications of what is going to take place tomorrow has real time effect in the way that we live today. And Peter brings this out in 2 Peter chapter 3, when he talks about the end of the world, uh, Christ is going to come again, the elements will burn with intense heat, everything will be burned up. And then he says, since all of these things are going to come to pass like this, what sort of people ought you to be? Mm. He says, you ought to be people of holiness and righteousness and anticipating the Lord's coming. 
So the proper study of eschatology is a sanctifying process. It helps us say, wow, this world is passing away. It's going very quickly. Christ is coming. Um, I want to be ready for it. What does he want me to do today? What part do I have to, to play? I'm standing here on the precipice of prophecy. I am in the last days. I am living on the verge of the return of Christ. I am living in prophetic times. What kind of people should I be of all of the generations that have ever lived? We are living closer to the return of Christ than any other, and maybe closer than we know. Right. So if you study that and it doesn't have an impact on the way you live today, then somehow you are not studying it correctly. Oh, that's so good. I'm inspired really, Pastor Robert, by the way that you approach the text and um, your command of scripture and just your ability to weave in and out and understand and dissect. And one of the things that we're seeing, mm. Barna research is that in uh, Generation Z, who are college students, mm -hmm. young adults in our world today, one of the great crises in the church is that only 4% mm. of the next generation would, would be able to have a biblical worldview or be biblically literate. And one of our passions with this podcast is addressing that, helping people make their faith their own while they still can. Yeah. And uh, we have this unique moment, like the sophomore year, to go with what you said earlier of like one moment at a university can spark a dorm dream. Four years mm -hmm. of a college or university experience can yeah. impact the foundation for the next 40 years of life or beyond. And so mm -hmm. it's off script once again, but do you have thoughts as to biblical literacy within the next generation? Well, I'm not too discouraged because everywhere I go, I see young adults and Gen Z. Um, who are so excited about Christ. I mean, maybe they're under the radar. They don't seem to be showing up in surveys, but in my own church, in my own family, and in many of the places that I go, I just spoke at a, at a college full of those uh, young people. The chapel was packed and they listened to every word I had to say intently from the beginning to the end. So, so I think there, there is a revival bubbling up mm -hmm. uh, among young people. Uh, it just isn't borne out by the statistics yet. It's anecdotal, but that doesn't mean that it's non-existent. Um, but you cannot have a, a biblical worldview without studying the biblical material. So, uh, so in our curriculums, in our churches, I'm, I'm a great advocate of expositional preaching. Um, I'm a great advocate, this is getting off subject, but the, the, we cannot lose all of our great hymnody. I think that uh, uh, there is a shallowing in the American church mm -hmm. that is replacing expositional preaching with topical fluff and replacing solid songs with lyrics that you repeat ad infinitum. And this isn't doing any good for the developing mm -hmm. of a biblical worldview in Gen Z. Um, you cannot have shallow churches and deep young people. Mm -hmm. Deep young people come from deep churches, and that requires solid worship and expositional teaching and programs and, and means and methods of discipleship, you know, within those churches. So, um, so I advocate for all of those things, sometimes not as successfully as I would like. But these are necessary, I think, 
And that is, you know, and of course, the most important thing is the home and family. Right. You know, um, if you can, if we can help reinforce the biblical model for the family, then, you know, I, I grew up in a, a Christian home where I was well prepared for the decision that I made when I was 19. Mm-hmm. Um, everything in my life had been preparing me for that moment when I yielded myself fully to Christ. Um, but not every young person now, in fact, very few have uh, a very good environment, a very good spiritual environment for growing up. So then, you know, we step in as individuals, we step in as the church, uh, but we've got to teach scripture mm-hmm. expositionally and verse by verse and show the marvel, the absolute marvel and the relevance of God's word. Uh, this is the passion of my life. And um, Love it. And I, I get very distressed that not everybody shares my passion, <laughs> but they ought to. Yes. Thank yes. you for your passion. And yes. thanks for going off script there because it is actually, it does tie into the subject. It's like yeah. revelation is like a part of God's word. Yeah. And that's your passion in writing the 55, uh, the 50 final events mm-hmm. in world history. It's to help us understand. Right. It's to help us grow and know. And we're grateful mm-hmm. for the fire that's all, in your belly. All of, the, all of the 65 books in the Bible lead up to revelation. So without the book of Revelation, the Bible is dramatically incomplete. It would end with the book of Jude, which is a wonderful book, but, but there, we, would, we would close the Bible and say something is missing. Mm-hmm. Wow. So the book of Revelation is, is extraordinarily important. It, it's the capstone, not just a biblical prophecy, but God's whole program for humanity, for the earth, and for our individual lives. That's so good. Here's a random question. Well, it's in the script, but how can we uh, see things through the perspective of Jesus when it comes to the end times? Well, uh, the book of Revelation is the expansion of our Lord's Olivet Discourse. So Jesus, on the last week of his life, on Tuesday of Passion Week, left the temple went down the Kidron Valley. I'll be there, Lord willing, next week. Uh, went up onto the edge of the Mount of Olives, the hill crest, looked back out over that million-dollar view of the old walls and the limestone city and the sun setting behind it. And the disciples said, what is going to happen in the future? And Jesus gave his famous sermon on the signs of the times and the end of the age. The book of Revelation is really his expansion of that sermon. He takes two chapters, and by it says clearly that Jesus gave this material uh, to an angel who gave it to John uh, in Revelation chapter 1, the first paragraph of Revelation. So the book of Revelation is our Lord's further explanation of the Olivet Discourse of Matthew um, uh, 24 and 25 and and Mark 13 and Luke 21. Uh, So to to think of things like Jesus does, it may be helpful to read the red letters of the Bible. Sometimes I have a red letter edition that just has the words of Jesus in red. Sometimes I'll start with Matthew, skip everything but the red letters, and just go through each gospel at a time reading nothing but the red letters. And you're getting the pure perspective of Jesus without context, 
mm-hmm. and without commentary, but just hearing his words. And right, um, you know, at the conclusion of it is his uh, explanation of when he's coming again. So it's a fascinating thing to think that really the epistles, Jesus said at the end of Matt, at the end of John's gospel, he said, I have much more to say to you, but you're not ready to receive it. But when I get to heaven, I will give those things to the Holy Spirit and he will give it to you. So when you're reading the epistles and Revelation is in a sense, the last of the letters because it was addressed to the seven churches, you're reading the continued teachings of Jesus. Mm. Uh, Everything in the epistles is in the gospels embryonically and everything that is embryonic in the gospels is explained in the epistles and it all climaxes with Revelation. I love your teaching. I follow you very easily. (laughs) I think you have the gift, Pastor Robert, of making the complex, simple and and trackable and easy to follow. And to your point earlier, I think that's the gift of expository preaching is really, Mm. you know, illuminating, taking a flashlight to God's word is kind of the picture that I get and helping people see what, what was the original intent? What is what does this say? What did it mean? And what, how do we live differently mm-hmm. today? And um, you mentioned Israel. Yeah. I was literally just there uh, during Holy Week. Mm-hmm. So you talk about even the timing of the events. I had this moment on Palm Sunday where mm-hmm. I'm in Israel. And it was like, so I have been there once before, but to be there during Holy Week It was like a surreal experience, of course, to walk where Jesus walked, to see that the Sea of Galilee is a real place. Um, It's it's like kind of to your point of black and white and red of scripture. To me, it added like a third dimension, colors and sounds and sights and smells and Mm. olive trees and Mm-hmm. Um, landmarks mm-hmm. and and water mm-hmm. and to be in the Jordan River and to see okay this is the setting because one of the main characters in the Bible that is overlooked is actually the land mm-hmm. so the mm-hmm. holy land like to see oh when it's talking about the Sea of Galilee like we know with certainty mm-hmm. this is where it is oh the town of Magdala you can actually do an archaeological dig and see that mm-hmm. this is Bethsaida or that this is Capernaum. This was the yeah. home of Jesus. This was maybe, so I'm fired up about mm-hmm. Israel, but so, <laughs> so because I was there and it, yeah, I, 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 went, my, I went for the first time in 1976 and that was long before it was nearly as developed as it is now. Uh, I sloshed through Hezekiah's tunnel before it was ever opened. Uh, I lead tours there every year and do teaching there. And so we're going next week. But you're right. Everything you said uh, is exactly right. Well, and my prayer actually for the listener or any Christ follower is like Micah. We have not had her go yet and we want to go. Maybe we can come in one of your trips and hear you teach in the hall. Oh, I would love that. That'd be so special. We're going going again, Lord willing, in uh, uh, June, early June of next year. Wow. Here we go. Well, we we might be in touch (laughs) about that, but like my prayer... Pastor Robert is like, if somebody wants to get to the Holy Land to walk where Jesus walked, I pray that God makes a way. He can part a Red Sea. Mm, I think he can make a way for people to get to Israel and spend time with him there. And I would just be curious to ask this about Israel, because it's seemingly like during Holy Week this in 2022, it was Easter. 
for the Christ follower. It was um, Ramadan for the Muslim and it was Passover Mm. for the Jew. And it just seems like when you're there, this is a historically significant place, but looking to the future, this is a future significant place. Can you talk about Israel's role in the end times? Oh, absolutely. Um, The story of the Bible really begins in Genesis 12. Uh, the first 11 chapters are prologue. Uh, there is one failure after another. Humanity messes up. But then God chooses this one man, Abraham. And in chapter 12 of Genesis, the very beginning of the Bible, he said, I will give you land and make you a great nation. Wow. And out of your seed, all of the nations of the world will be blessed. So all of the rest of the Bible is the unfolding of the promises that God gave to Abraham in Genesis 12. Um, And one of those promises was for the land. And the Bible teaches that in the last days, when Jesus comes again, Israel will be in existence. That was really implausible for hundreds of years because Israel was wiped off the map by Rome in AD 70 and was non-existent. And then suddenly, it wasn't suddenly, but it appeared suddenly in the headlines um, on May 13th of 1948, here Israel was, again, out of nowhere, after nearly 2,000 years, speaking their own language, spending the shekel. And uh, then in 1968, they get Jerusalem, and they get the Temple Mount, and uh, now they're, they're working on the rebuilding or the building of the Third Temple, when, whenever that happens. And Zechariah tells us, and uh, Revelation picks up on this, that in the last days, the Antichrist, fueled by the devil, will try to destroy the nation of Israel to prevent Christ from setting this kingdom. In fact, to prevent Christ from coming again at all, because all of the predictions of his coming are bound up with the nation of Israel. And, um, And so it's no surprise that we read in the headlines that there is this apocalyptic, uh, demonic um, regime um, in one of the neighborhood uh, countries uh, developing nuclear weapons with the specific aim of wiping Israel off the face of the earth. So when you, uh, and much of the prophecies in Revelation occur in and around Jerusalem, the Battle of Armageddon is launched against Jerusalem and, and Judah. So, um, so Israel is a land that was promised to Abraham in Genesis 12, 4,000 years ago, was reborn in my dad's lifetime, and is existentially threatened now in our lifetime in a way that would make it very plausible to see for the first time in history, the events described in the book of Revelation make sense. Well, can I ask you what might be a dumb question, but it's a follow-up question to that. Yeah. So I've been curious because I just spent some time there and it seems like for the current Jew, uh, somebody who's following Judaism in 2022, it seems like to them, there is a political ideology of this, the state of Israel. Mm. 
mm-hmm. which you just talked about, like the biblical importance of that. It seems mm-hmm. like there's a political significance to them today that it might be important for them in a different way, if that makes sense. And it doesn't negate the importance of, but like it, it seems like Israel, the Holy Land is important to a lot of different groups of people for a lot of different reasons, but like, is it important for their reasons as well? Or like, how do we? Well, there are, there are some minority sects in mm. Judaism really working on rebuilding the temple and preparing for the Messiah. But as a rule, the Jewish people now that inhabit uh, uh, Israel are very secular. Uh, they are um, very liberal in their uh, biblical or theological or moral beliefs. They are not followers of Christ. But the Bible teaches in Ezekiel that the bones are going to come together before the spirit enters into the land. And we're told in the book of Zechariah that not until the Lord is on his way down from heaven to rescue them at the second coming will Israel as a nation be converted to the Messiah. So, I mean, this is very clear. Uh, in scripture, and especially in the book of Zechariah, the latter chapters of Zechariah. So, um, so there will be coming a day when Israel will turn to the Lord and the promises about the millennium and the kingdom and the Old Testament will be fulfilled and the law will go forth from Israel and Christ will reign for a thousand years in that land. Uh, but right now we're seeing the political reconstitution of Israel Later, we'll see the spiritual restoration of Israel at the time of Christ's return. That's so helpful. I'm glad I asked because I've been curious about it. And it seems like in America, what we see is some, man, I don't know, like the right word of, of what I'm trying to say, but we, we see like America's not written in the Bible, but we mm-hmm. see people read America into the Bible, like kind of some Christian nationalism. And coming back from Israel, I almost wondered if there was some political nationalism that people view that way, if, if that makes sense. But what you're talking about is there might be mm-hmm. political restoration, but then there's going to be a spiritual, um, like Zachariah said, there's going to be a spiritual restoration mm-hmm. where people will know that Jesus, the Messiah, they will mm-hmm. turn to him. And that, that gives me hope and encouragement. Yeah. And it, it gives us all hope. Um, the book of Revelation is full of hope. It's, it's not a book of, uh, um, of despair. It is a book of, of tremendous uplifting hope. Um, no story has ever ended happier mm. in all of literature or human history than the story of the Bible. That's good. Well, before we get to our five and five, I just have a random question for you. Um, Pastor Robert, what is, is there something that we are not asking, whether it as, as young adult leaders, or maybe just Josiah and myself, maybe we're not asking the right question. Is there anything that we are not asking that we should be asking that you can unpack for us when it comes to eschatology at large? No, it's just something that um, when it comes to eschatology, it is some, it's a, a, you, you, you grow in your understanding of eschatology progressively as you study it. That's good. Uh, I think it's, it's like that with a lot of subjects. Um, 
but the more you study it, the more the pieces begin. When you when you first start studying, it's like you dump out a, a box of pieces to a puzzle. But as you keep working on it, the puzzle begins to come together and you begin to see it more clearly. So it's taken me a lifetime to study um, eschatology, but I feel like I understand it now a lot better than when I began. Um, and I don't study it continually. You know, I keep coming back to it in my preaching and teaching. Mm -hmm. You know, every so often I'll come back to Revelation or I'll come back to the Olivet Discourse. Or when you're preaching expositionally, you come to prophetic passages. And mm -hmm. that's a good time to unpack 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 uh, or chapter 2, for example, about the man of lawlessness. Or you come to 2 Peter chapter 3. Uh, or you come to Isaiah chapter 66. So, um, so you, you, you just progressively learn. But as you progressively learn and figure it out, mm -hmm. then you progressively become more excited and more hopeful and more eager to share it with other people. What I would like to ask uh, young adults to do is to use my book um, uh, and just have a Bible study together and uh, open their Bibles to Revelation uh, use my book as a sort of a textbook uh, in an ancillary way and just go through the book and begin to get a cursory grasp of it. Yes. Yes. I kind of picture um, a compass and a map and, and I kind of, <laughs> I think you need both. Yeah. It's like without, without the map, it's hard to have, like, where's the compass going? Like, yeah. where are we going? But without the compass, the map is like, okay, um, <laughs> you know, is it upside, downside? And I picture the word of God is a light to our path. It mm -hmm. is a lamp to our feet. Mm -hmm. And it yeah. is, it, it is the map. But in many ways, I think your book could be a compass that accompanies like, hey, here's, here's yeah. some dissection and here's maybe some conversation starters. Here's kind of a roadmap and a guide that um, can make the complex simple. That's so fun. Well, I, I, would, I would love for that to, to be true. Thank you. Of course. Indeed. And we've come to one of our final segments that we want to have last five minutes with you. So are you ready for the five and five challenge? It's five questions in five minutes. Yeah, sure. All well, right. I, let me get my, my watch here. Okay. Um, he, has, he, has a, he has a shot clock here. <laughs> Oh, oh, so they'll be on the screen? No, we'll just let look me, at the clock. Let me, I've, got, I've got my stopwatch here. Okay, I'm, I'm good. All yep. right, so I've yep. got one too, just in case. Here we no, go. No, I've got it here. Oh my gosh, he's ready. Okay, question number one. What's something that you're working on or doing right now as a hobby for fun outside of a form of ministry? Uh, my garden around my pool. Um, I have no idea how to take care of a pool it's it's to me like eschatology is to some people so I hire somebody for that but I love doing the garden around the pool my flowers and and ornamentals and my shrubs and the mulching and the weeding and and um, my parents were both gardeners and I grow herbs I don't really grow vegetables now I used to but I've got got lots of plants and and uh, so gardening is uh, just my my little you know, backyard garden uh, around the pool it. is my hobby. I love it. How about this, Pastor Robert? Like um, with expository preaching, if um, you were going to share something with the young adult generation and you could open any book of the, the Bible today, 
it might be different yesterday or tomorrow, but like this afternoon, mm -hmm. what would be maybe the, the text or the book that you would pick up and start? Oh, well, that's a great idea. Um, let me give you a verse, first of all, about exposition. It is Psalm 119 and verse 130. It says, the unfolding of your word gives light. Mm -hmm. And so exposition is simply the unfolding of your word. The Lord Jesus, uh, well, the whole Bible uh, is logical. Uh, it unfolds logically. Uh, so I think I would begin in one of the epistles of Paul, the 13 Pauline epistles. Those um, were written specifically to tell Christians, new Christians who didn't have any material, how to live the Christian life. So Romans, Philippians, Ephesians, um, uh, one of those is, is where I would probably begin if I were starting an expositional ministry from scratch. That's perfect. And here is the curveball. This is question three. If you could ask Josiah and myself a question, what would you ask us today? Oh, well, <laughs> I hadn't I hadn't prepared for that question. That's well, the curveball. You both have you both have remarkably good voices for the air. Um, I mean, you come across so so well. Is that just natural? Or have you really developed and honed your skill for communication? Oh, wow. I hated communication when I was in high school. You feel judged by your peers. I think I became a cheerleader, which caused me to get up in front of people and make a fool of myself and be okay with it. Uh, I think we're always learning and growing as communicators. And I don't know. I think a lot of it is natural. Um, but to be on air, I think, I don't know, we listen to ourselves. What should I have said that? Should I not have said that? So I think it's just a growing a growing natural desire and passion that's within me, at least. I don't know if you can speak for yourself, Josiah. True story. My sophomore year of college, you said at the top of the episode, sophomore year is important. Uh -oh. Sophomore year of college, I was going to business school, needed to take a public speaking class during finals week. True story. I fainted <laughs> in public speaking class. My head hit the ground. Oh, I wake no. up, there's uh, EMTs. I'm bleeding. My professor walks me to my next final to ask them to give me a break so I can just like drink a Gatorade, like take the final another day. And, That's how nervous you were? Uh, like it's a true story oh, from public word. speaking class in college. And so I just sense the call of God on my life. So I feel like what you say um, to us is words of life and encouragement and affirmation today of like, the fact that God can use me, yeah. um, who maybe might've been more shy or timid or nervous. I think he has given us a voice to our generation, but it's been a process for me. I can say of like, okay, I asked God kind of like Moses did. I feel like I stutter sometimes. I asked him to use somebody else, but he asked me. Mm. And so I want to be obedient to that in my generation. Well, I, I think you're very, very good at it. When I, when I speak, other people pass out. So, uh, oh, you mean baptism of the Holy Spirit, or I mean a slain no, spirit, right? No. <laughs> Usually it's from going to sleep, but, oh, but anyway. They're just resting their eyes. One, <laughs> one more. Oh my gosh. Well, so back to you. How about this? If you were going to Israel and you could bring a bag of snacks or like yeah, treats, yeah. what would you what would you bring? Well, probably nuts. I love all kinds of nuts. Um, once I'm in Israel, I like falafels. I could live on falafels with some hummus. Someone said, yes, falafels. Now I have one 
fella who traveled with me and he said they make you feel awful but um (laughs) i but i I like falafels but on the um on the plane um just mixed nuts are really my favorite snack and um um maybe something to drink with them and i'm i'm a happy camper there you go okay final question i know we're over because we answered ours but if you could leave the listener with one word of encouragement what would you leave them with today Well, the final invitation in the book of Revelation, which is the final invitation in the Bible, says the spirit and the bride say, come and let him who hears come and whoever will let him come and take of the water of life freely. Mm -hmm. And that's the invitation to come and have all of your needs satisfied by Jesus Christ and people who have not discovered him as savior or who have not established a personal relationship with God through him are missing a spiritual foundation at the core of their lives. Mm -hmm. And I would invite them to think about that and to relish the joy of coming to Christ and finding him the the source of of living water that quenches all thirst and develop a lifelong relationship with him because that truly not only takes you to heaven, but it brings heaven to you and into your heart and life now. Amen. Incredible. And Pastor Robert, I hope our friendship continues because I feel like you are somebody who could be a go-to for any Bible question. Well, I'm, I'm honored by that. And yes, of course it will. <laughs> and, uh, and let me know if you want to go to Israel in 23. Sounds amazing. And um, man, we hope that the listener will pick up the 50 final events Amen. in world history. This book's been an encouragement to us. I know we're getting Micah's dad yeah, a he copy. Loves, he, he loves this subject. End and times. <laughs> he's going to be listening and watching this podcast. But Pastor Robert, thank you times a million for this conversation today. Oh, you're very welcome. And the Lord bless you both. Thank you. Definitely. you as well. And if you want to find out more about Pastor Robert J. Morgan, this book and his other resources, you can connect connect with us in the show notes below as well as online at www.youngadults.today. Until next time, Josiah and Micah saying talk soon. We'll see you later. Thanks for listening to today's conversation on the Young Adults Today podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, go ahead and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. I'm getting charged up right now, yeah.